First, they came for our gas and diesel-powered cars and trucks because they emitted carbon dioxide, a greenhouse gas. Next, they came for our natural gas appliances because they used methane, another greenhouse gas. Then they came for our fertilizers because they emit nitrous oxide, yet another greenhouse gas. Guess what they're coming for next? Bet you can't. Welcome to Created to Rain, a production of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. The Cornwall Alliance is a ministry dedicated to helping fulfill the mandate God gave mankind in Genesis 128 to subdue and rule the earth in a way that enhances its fruitfulness, its beauty, and its safety for the glory of God and for the benefit of our neighbors. It began several years ago with a law that banned incandescent light bulbs that emitted less than 45 lumens per watt. Deemed energy inefficient when compared to the more expensive LEDs that were destined to replace them, the ban passed under the Bush administration in 2007 and finally took effect on August 1st of this year. While environmentalists are pleased that the ban is expected to reduce global emissions of carbon dioxide by 222 million metric tons over the next 30 years, LED bulbs can trigger migraine headaches and eye fatigue in light-sensitive people. And while they may be less expensive to operate in the long term, an LED bulb is more expensive than an incandescent light bulb by about a factor of five. At present, many of us are having an electric vehicle mandate forced upon us. By 2035, those in California and other states, for example, will not be able to purchase a new gasoline or diesel-powered car or truck. State fleets and bus fleets, including school buses, are being converted to electric vehicles. Even portable gas generators are under threat. Why? Uh, you know the answer. Because they consume fossil fuels and produce carbon dioxide, a greenhouse gas. Methane was the next greenhouse gas under attack. Also known as natural gas, methane has a greenhouse gas potential of 27 to 30. That is, one molecule of methane has the potential to warm the planet 27 to 30 times more than a single molecule of carbon dioxide. This is because methane is a more complex molecule than carbon dioxide with four hydrogen atoms attached to a carbon atom rather than just two oxygen atoms, as with carbon dioxide. Thus, methane has more absorption bands, and given that there is much less methane in the atmosphere, many of these bands are far from saturated. To limit methane emissions, we must limit its use, as methane may escape into the atmosphere through leaks in the transmission pipes. In several states, natural gas connections are banned in new construction. Eventually, the plan is to ban all appliances that use natural gas. Stoves, furnaces, fireplaces, and water heaters, for example. So when your gas stove breaks down, you'll have to go out and buy a new electric stove to replace it. Last year, protests by farmers in the Netherlands and Canada erupted when they were told they would not be able to use fertilizers. Sri Lanka actually tried it 
and experienced a self-imposed famine. Why fertilizers? Because they produce nitrous oxide, which is yet another greenhouse gas. So what possibly can be next? Water vapor is a greenhouse gas, and the most important one at that. Maybe environmentalists can ban water use. They might consider a ban on irrigation for farming, on all indoor plumbing, the taking of baths and showers, water use for drinking, swimming pools, water parks. Okay, let's not be silly. The climate alarmists are not coming after our water supply. I don't think they are that crazy, but I could be wrong. And in issues related to the wacko alarmists, I often have been. But they do have their sights set on two other items that you probably have in your house and or garage. The first is your ceiling fan. What? I thought ceiling fans were useful. Used correctly in the winter, they force warm air that collects around the ceiling since warm air rises, and move it down to the floor where most of us live. You see, not too many of us live on our ceilings. And in the summer, you can reverse the direction to provide a cool breeze through the room, since moving air cools by flowing air across your skin. Both cases take less energy than the furnace or the air conditioner, and then provide an inexpensive transfer of energy. So what can be the environmentalist complaint about ceiling fans? Well, it isn't their use. Rather, the Department of Energy wants to require ceiling fans to be more energy efficient so as to save homeowners on their energy costs. I am so glad the Department of Energy is now interested in reducing my energy costs because up until now, everything they have done has caused my energy costs to skyrocket. So there has to be a catch. And of course, there is. According to the Department of Energy, a more efficient ceiling fan would save your household a whopping $39.84 over the lifetime of the fan. I don't know about you, but my ceiling fans tend to last quite a long time. Nevertheless, the Department of Energy suggests that we should replace our ceiling fans every six to 10 years. Really? Okay, so if they last eight years, then the average homeowner would save, let's see, add to two, carry the one, about $4.98 per year. While that isn't trivial, since every little bit helps, how much more will these new and improved ceiling fans cost the average homeowner? Well, it is estimated that the cost to manufacturers associated with increased equipment will total $86.6 million per year. Since this will be seen as an added business expense by the manufacturer, this expense and the associated retooling required to make the new fans will be passed off onto you, the consumer. The Department of Energy expects that ceiling fan prices should increase such that the return on investment occurs after about four years or half the life of the ceiling fan. But we know that the government estimates of economic savings are always greatly exaggerated. However, the big cost in all this will be the small ceiling fan manufacturer, or should I say the ceiling fan manufacturer with a small market share, 
not those who make small ceiling fans. The argument is that this rule would require a redesign of products that may cause between 10 and 30% of these small market share manufacturers to go out of business. As a senior energy department official from the previous administration argued, the philosophy of the current administration is energy efficiency no matter the cost. That means we are going to see, as a result of their efficiency standards, higher priced appliances. It's that simple. But see, if you thought the environmentalists were after just your ceiling fan, you're really going to be blown away with this next one. They also are coming after your gas-powered leaf blower. See what I did there? And while they are at it, your gas-powered push and rotting mowers and weed whackers are about to be cut as well. Now, this ban, of course, is not new. More than 150 municipalities, including Washington, D.C., Miami Beach, Florida, Burlington, Vermont, Vancouver, British Columbia, and Evanston, Illinois, have banned gas-powered lawn equipment. California is set to end the sale of gas-powered blowers throughout the entire state sometime in 2024. Now, the problem with leaf blowers, lawn mowers, and weed whackers is twofold. First, they consume gasoline and produce carbon dioxide and other true pollutants as a byproduct. Just how bad are they? Well, according to the California Air Resources Board, operating a gas-powered leaf blower for just one hour emits as much pollution as driving a Toyota Camry from Los Angeles to Denver or from Baltimore to Miami. Really? then shouldn't we all be running out and buying Toyota Camrys? See, you have to parse their words. Here they aren't talking about carbon dioxide as a pollutant. They refer to smog-forming pollution. And remember that a Toyota has a catalytic converter to change the volatile organic compounds, sulfur oxides, and carbon monoxide into carbon dioxide. Lawn tools don't. But the way it is worded, the average person is lulled into thinking that they are talking about carbon dioxide because, well, that's usually all they ever talk about. Moreover, gas-powered lawn equipment produces lots of particulate matter, known as PM2.5, which is a usual culprit cited in all things deadly. The use of gas-powered tools is linked to lung cancer, heart disease, and dementia through the shocking amount of PM2.5 that they emit. So we get an electric equivalent and then proceed, right? Ho, 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 not so fast. A commercial landscaper is going to have to have a fleet of batteries to keep the electric equipment running all day long. That's an added expense that small landscapers, or landscapers with few clients, not those small in stature, may not be able to afford. But why use lawn equipment of any kind? You see, back in 2021, the New York Times published an opinion piece that suggested that we really didn't need lawn equipment. Opinion writer Margaret Rankle wrote, quote, 
They come in a deafening, surging swarm, blasting from lawn to lawn and filling the air with the stench of gasoline and death. I would call them mechanical locusts, descending upon every patch of gold in the neighborhood, the way the grasshoppers of old would arrive. In numbers so great, they darken the sky to lay bare a cornfield in minutes. But that comparison is unfair to locusts, unquote. Wow. And in summoning imagery from Dante's Inferno, she went on to pen, but the gasoline-powered leaf blower exists in a category of environmental hell all its own, spewing pollutants into the atmosphere at a literally breathtaking rate. Ah, I see what she did there. But you see, it's not about the equipment. It's all about the footprint and your ability to virtue signal. She goes on to add, quote, but the trouble with leaf blowers isn't only their pollution spewing health consequences. It's also the damage they do to biodiversity. Fallen leaves provide protection for overwintering insects and the egg sacs of others. Leaf blowers, whether electric or gasoline powered, dislodge the leaf litter that is so essential to insect life. The insect life that in turn is so essential to birds and other wildlife, unquote. You see, in Ms. Renkel's world, leaves are so much prettier than a green lawn produced by those stench-spewing machinery. As with most socialists, they have already decided, so you don't have to. Well, you can always use goats to chomp away at your yard. In fact, my neighbor has goats for that purpose. And what possibly can the environmentalists say about that? Well, if you don't know the answer, then you didn't listen to my podcast on Beyond Meat. You see, goats are ruminants. So while lawn equipment spews carbon dioxide from their exhaust, goats spew methane, a more lethal greenhouse gas, from their, well, from their exhaust. Don't worry, you won't need lawn equipment when the socialists get their ultimate way. When your whole family of four is shoehorned into a 200-square-foot cubicle and is living like the masses I witnessed in the Soviet Union and post-communist Romania, you just won't have a lawn to worry about. See, the socialists have thought of everything. And I want to leave you with one last comment. I'm going to quote Michael Brower. He's a professor of public health at the University of British Columbia. He wrote, quote, it's as though you're sucking the exhaust out of the tailpipe of a car. That's sort of what you're doing if you're using a leaf blower, unquote. <laughs> ah, there's nothing like a good dose of hyperbole to end our podcast. Thank you for listening to Created to Rain. Until next time. I am David Arley Gates, and may God richly bless you.